We know what we do, we know how we do it, but it's the why is really the critical bit in everyone's life. If we can get, if we can get that why, if we understand that better, you, you're more likely to have success. In this episode of my podcast, Relentless Life on Your Term, I sit down with Terry Paul, who has over 35 years experience as an entrepreneur, who started a company called FinTech, who now has over 3,000 employees and is turning over $400 million, to starting a company where he grows his own water, developed his own vegan cheese. There were so many great takeaways for this impression gentleman. And we also talk about how he's making an impact with his philanthropy work that he's doing to help provide clean water to people in India. This is one amazing episode. Welcome to another episode of this podcast, Relentless Life on Your Terms. I'm joined with a very special guest with over 35 years experience in the entrepreneurial journey. We're going to talk about a couple of those triumphs. Um, Terry, thank you very much for being on the show. Yeah, Chris, thanks for having me. So 35 years, quite a journey. And still going, hopefully. And still going, of course. Of course, I should have mentioned that. And still going strong. So tell me about a couple of these ventures. I've read up on a few, obviously, FinTech, which is huge. I'm in the accounting space as well. Nowhere near to this level. Um, you've got thousands of people that work there, turning over hundreds of millions of dollars. Tell us about that and segue us to the other two, which I'm really keen on. Well, I guess it, you're talking about the Findex, what is known yes. as the Findex business, which is a... I said Fintech, sorry, a Findex. No, no, but, but it is actually a Fintech business that sits uh, in an old world business. So we're Australia's fifth, fifth largest accountants, um, employing around about uh, 3,000 people, or just under 3,000 people. And it's quite an interesting business in, in even the way that it's made up in that that it has a, a very heavy regional footprint. So, you know, you can measure on turnover, you can measure on people, but I think the thing that sort of sits below the water with that business is that we have 110 offices, I think, across Australia and, and New Zealand. Zealand yeah. So if you go into rural Australia, where a lot of people live in rural Australia, I mean, we always think about um, city, city folk all the time, that we would be the largest financial advisors as well as accountants, so that would include financial planners, uh, you know, varying people doing all sorts of things uh, to, to, to help our client base. And just, just and that business started on uh, my dining room table with my older brother Spiro, a good, uh, good, good uh, couple of Greek boys, um, back in 1987. So it, uh, it, it's sort of grown from the, the proverbial garage or dining room. That's fantastic. Uh, it's quite a large business these days. I love hearing success stories, as I said, offline, especially seeing Aussies do well. I know you've got Greek descent, but it's really, really inspiring to see that, to get into that sort of space. Now that's segued into a number of businesses which are all very interesting within themselves. Now, uh, we were mentioning water before, and I, I was said the slogan is just intriguing. I need to know more, I wanna know more. It's a water business, slogan, we grow water. Tell me about that. Well, you know, with, with all of these things, um, when, when you come along to disruptive technology or new processes or inventions of, of sort, Often it's the old proverbial elevator test. So, you know, I racked my brain at the time uh, before we, as we invested in this business, in this technology, and I'll go into a little bit more detail of how it, how it works. But how could I describe what it is? And, and you know... Are you referring to, for, for my listeners, when you said the elevator, it's like elevator picture USB, is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, correct. So when somebody says, uh, Terry, what do you do? 
I thought, we grow water. And that's either going to, they're, they're either going to think this guy's crazy or uh, tell me more or both uh, often. But don't you have to be crazy to get to that sort you, of response? You do. So, so what we do or what I, what I do day to day is I live in what, what we call startup land. You told me that's yeah, right. Yeah, so when, when, we, uh, when we met and, and the idea is there, we're, we're really an investor. I, I run our family office. Under the banner Myco. of Myco, correct. Yep. I was going to say under the banner of Myco. And what we do is we, we look for other crazy people that may have a great invention. And as I and I do a lot of commercial mentoring in, in, in varying venues, but we um, we like to find people with a good idea, which is better than a bad idea, of course, and then help them along their journey, make it go a little bit faster. Because often one of the mistakes that I think people that live in startup land, the inventor types make, is that. They have a good idea and they think, okay, well. It's going to be successful. Job done, I'm but done. Right? I speak a lot about this too because having a good idea without someone to be able to execute it is just a good idea that's probably going to fail. Having an average idea with someone that can really execute is going to drive a business to scale. Absolutely. But it's having both is, is fantastic. I mean, that, and I believe the, our water business is that. And I'll explain, uh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure people are intrigued to think, you know, what, 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 what's he talking about? But, but just the fundamentals of, of, of partnering up with uh, varying inventors or people that live in startup land and then following the journey all the way through to an exit, whatever that, whatever that looks like. So this, this story began actually in Indonesia of all places. I, I, we, we had a business over there which we've exited in the last few years and I met a mate of mine that I hadn't seen for some years in the lounge, in the Garuda lounge, and you know, what do you do, what do I do? We ended up having lunch, and he said to me, oh, you're in startup land. He said, you've got to go and see this guy, Dr. Bruce, um, who lives in Mildura, and he makes wa water from carrots. I thought, now that's, that's an idea. So I went, I went and visited Bruce, water from carrots, that's where it all started. So I hopped on a Rex flight, flew up to Mildura, spent the day uh, with Bruce, and. Yeah, he's special, like all the inventor guys are all, uh, and girls are special. Um, and you've sort of got to look through some of the stuff that, that, that they do and, and, and the way they go about their business. But, but sitting within there was actually a fantastic technology, an Australian, glo now globally patented technology, where we, we partner up with people, big industries. Like farmers? No, we partner up with industry. So what we do is we attach our equipment and technology to businesses that make sugar, that make uh, tomato ketchup, that make alcohol. And this, there's something like 8,000 large factories around the world throwing away hundreds of millions of litres of this water, often to environmental detriment, every year. And we attach our technology and we teach them to convert what is now a waste product of into making sugar you can use. into the world's most sustainable and renewable water. Wow. And, and it's the world's first and only plant-based natural water. So this water was sitting in a tomato or it was sitting in sugar cane or it was sitting in a carrot or it was sitting in a grape. It was sitting somewhere. Now we don't grow a carrot or a grape to harvest the water, but what we do is we when they're making sugar, what, what, they, all have, what, what they all have in, com in um, common is they evaporate the water out of the source plant, right? So to make sugar, you take water out through an evaporative process, you take it out, you take it out, you take it out. And, and this water, this condensate, evaporative condensate, just gets pumped out of the back of a factory, piping hot to environmental detriment, even here in Australia. Which we could drink. 
Well, we catch that. Yeah. We run it through some... You filter it and stuff. We filter it, we process it. Wow. And we create a, a patented, clean, green-safe drinking water. That's incredible. That is incredible. And I, I noticed on your website, Mind, Body and Soul, that's something that's very, very important to you. Yeah, look, the essence of our family office all, you know, we, 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 you would have seen the, the Stephen Sinek, uh, you know, we know what we do, we know how we do it, but it's the why is really the critical bit in everyone's life. If we can get, if we can get that why, if we understand that better, you, you're more likely to have success. So I, I worked out many years ago that, the, the, that by balancing up your mind, body and soul, then a combination of those three things will, and, and ap applying that to things you can control. This is where a lot of people, I, I believe, make the mistake is that we all get distracted by things outside of our control. And often we feel a bit of a, a bit like a cork in the ocean, you know, I can't control this, I can't control that. And we shrink as people, we get smaller and smaller. Cork, I love that analogy, by the way. Yeah, cork in the ocean. So the current's going that way, we go that way. The wind's blowing that way, we go that way. And often we feel a, 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 a like that. It can be in our careers, it can I be in our I think people would have felt like that with COVID especially. Oh, COVID That would have probably been the biggest uh, test of people actually feeling exactly like that. Yeah, so the way I, I think to overcome that, Chris, is, is to basically uh, focus on the things you can control. So you're never going to control everything, but, but, but coming to the realisation of, of focusing on the things you can control, all of a sudden you get bigger, you get stronger, you build confidence, you build momentum, and then success eventually comes out of that. I've got a saying I read that's always said that, it's, and it's about understanding the things you can control, understanding things you can't, but the power to know the wisdom to differentiate what you can and can't control. And I read that regularly because it's... It makes you not only feel optimistic, but also focus on the things that you can have an impact on, which you look at certain things like COVID or stuff. I didn't worry about things I couldn't control. I worried about how I responded, how I adapted to that. What could I do with my business? How could I grow? What opportunity could I take advantage of? Usually, when you, well, I guess when you find chaos, there's always opportunity. So oh, it's the a, flip side of the coin, isn't correct. it? Correct. So another, another company that you are was a vegan-based cheese. Tell me about that. And being Greek as well, you, I, I believe you should like cheese, or most of us like cheese. So tell me about this concept. Well, it, it, it goes back one step further. One, one of the startups that we worked with back in the late 90s, I'll, I'll go back one step, which actually helps me explain a little bit about what, what you're talking about. That We invested in a little business, um, which is an on-farm dairy farm out in Western Port, you know, in Gippsland. And, and it was in a place called Lang Lang, which means long, long in German, and it was a bloody long, long way away. And, you know, we got involved in this Were business. they German, the owners? The, the, the owners were Greeks, and they, they, and it was a brand called Lemnos. So Lemnos of Feta, course. Lemnos, Lemnos of course. So I ran that business for uh, about 13 years, and we did a successful exit back in about 2010. We sold that to... Because um, you, you ran that. You, you worked in and you took over that business. We, we partnered up and then, and then uh, bought them out and then grew it. Because I read that, to, yeah. we, we were exporting to about 40 countries in, in the end by about 2010. And, and we, we sort of introduced, and I know you're from a Cypriot background, so I'm yeah. going to be a controversial here. We introduced the uh, halloumi to Australia, or what Australians would consider halloumi, not the Cypriot version with the mint and the, and a lot of it's around the milk, and we won't go there. But so I spent a, a, a long time uh, of my life in the dairy industry, and then after we exited it and set up our family office, we were looking to to stay in food and beverage and health and well-being as two. Sort I read of, that because the. the 
I, they're very they're very similar. They are. To be healthy and have a good mind, you need to put the good mind, right things in your mind. Mind, body, soul. It gets of, back to, to to the mantra that we three were talking about. Three easy pillars and great great things to remember. Uh, absolutely. If those three things are firing, you can pretty much be unstoppable. So sitting there in our um, family office, which is here in Melbourne, uh, in Hawksburn Village, a nice little cool place, a little garage. We call it we call it our fancy little garage. Yep. Um, there was an organic cafe sitting next door and um, I started to get pretty lonely at about three o'clock and I'd go next door and have a coffee and the people in there, the guy making coffee uh, was an out-of-work actor who was a vegan. So he and I'd have a bit of a chat at three o'clock and I'd be thinking, oh, okay, veganism, that was really as basic as it gets in, in terms of introducing Coming veganism. Coming a big well, back then, no, no one really knew about it, but, but certainly it has come or is coming of age and, and continuing to develop. So, yeah, so, so I realised that, um, that the world was greening, certainly. And they were running at a corporate level because of my, my sort of corporate background. I was looking at sort of big end of town transaction, Danone. One of the, you know, uh, France's biggest dairy company had just bought a soy milk business in the U.S. and, and got criticised for spending billions of dollars, multi-billions of dollars on this. And I'm sitting there thinking, why is a why is a dairy business buying soy soy businesses and so on and so it's on? A new you know, trend. they've got to get yeah, into it. Yeah, and they were looking to do what's happening now with Beyond Meat and meat businesses and Just Egg and all of that area. So, cut a long story short, we developed a concept and a brand called BioCheese, which was introduced. We were the first people to introduce dairy-free or vegan-style cheese into the major retailers because I had a lot of experience. You got all the Woolworth contract. Coles Col and Woolies, Aldi. So we now have six years later, we own over seventy percent market share in in that space in Australia. Can I ask a question on that? Do you think it's because you were first to market? Definitely. First mover was a, a very important part, but we, what, what um, I think previous people in the marketplace were doing, which often is a mistake that happens at sort of a, a smaller manufacturers, is that, you know, quite good products, good tasting products, often not so well priced because it's a cottage industry, so it gets to be very expensive, but they omit all the other buying things that, that consumers want. And one of the key ones is convenience. So... I didn't want to reinvent the wheel, um, and, and, and uh, so I just piggybacked on Coles and Woolworths. So Terry, back to the water, because obviously it's very, very important. It is essential. Everyone needs water. Tell me a bit more about it. And obviously I've seen you've got sparkling as well, which is good. Yeah, the still and sparkling for those that uh, like, like uh, the sparkling version. Well, look, it's more than just a bottled water business, Chris. I mean, it would really discount it to just say, oh, it's another water. I mean, uh, th there's a huge choice of that. What sits behind this is a much, much bigger story. It's, a, it's about technology, firstly, the invention itself and the, and the patents. But more importantly... What it does is by unlocking a new source of water on a global basis, we're talking about a new three trillion litres of water a year, 3,000 billion litres of water in places where there may not be a lot of water, in places like India where they're now relying on monsoonal rains. You know, back in the 60s you could drill one metre in India and find water. Now they're drilling 90, 90 metres and not finding water. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the proverbial war, wars will be fought over water. So no one had ever thought up until Dr. Bruce that 
there's rainwater, you catch it, you drink it. There's aquifer water like San Pellegrino, you know, from the Alps. There's glacial water like Voss. But no one had ever thought that plants are over 90% water. There's water naturally occurs in plants. So if we could harvest, if we could grow that water, we grow water, then it would be a transformational moment. It would be an enabling moment. And what we want to do is we, want to, we don't want to hoard this into a, a brand. What we want to do is we want to share the tech and the, the opportunity with the rest of the world. It's life changing. It is, it's, it's massive. I mean, go, you can go 30 days without food, try going 30 days without water. It doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. So in places like India, for example, one and a half million children a year die from water-related and sanitation-related diseases. One and a half million children. I think, I think the statistic is a child dies every about nine seconds somewhere in the world. The time we've been in this, in, in this meeting, think of how many children would have died somewhere in the world. And we have an opportunity, as, a, as, a, as an old bloke, there's an opportunity to make a huge difference here. And what we want to do is we're building a trading exchange, a botanical water exchange. What does that mean? It means that all of a sudden we've found thousands of people, thousands of factories that can make and make water. And they're saying, okay, well, teach us how to make us, give us the equipment to do that. What do I do with this water? And we say, well, you can sell it as an ingredient to people like Coca-Cola or Pepsi or Nestle. They all need water. The beverage industry uses about 1.9 trillion litres of water a year. And the industry itself says between now and 2050, they're going to need another 1.5 trillion litres of water. The problem we've got is there's not enough to go around. Of course. So, so you've got um, people dying at one extreme and you've got bottled water companies Maybe looking... The, the looking. service industry needs it as well. So we've found, we've unlocked 3 trillion litres. So what we want to do is we want to create a venue, a platform. You would have heard of a guy, a little business called uh, Amazon. You might have, you might have heard of it. Some guy, yeah, some guy, Jeff, he started selling a few books and you know, got a little bit bigger than yep. the rest. So if you think about it, what's disrupted the world, the, the world in general in the last 10 years have been platforms, varying types of platforms. So we've got platforms like Uber, you know, Capital Light, they don't have taxis and things, they just, some guy downloads one app, you know, it's a passenger, a driver, a connector to and off you go, you've got Airbnb, you've even got Facebook, social media, they're all platforms which have changed the way we do the, business, the, the way we, we see do, the world. We live. So our goal is to create a platform where we can introduce someone now that can make water that couldn't previously. So the sugar mill can now not only sell Coke the sugar, they can sell Coke the water to make their, their drink. An add-on service. Correct. More importantly, it's solving a much bigger issue than just making money. Which is where we want to go. So what, 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 when you get older and grumpier, like me, you sort of think, you know, what, what's life all about? I'm a, I'm a believer in this sort of, I don't know, if, you know, let's not call it a religious thing, but just if you give, you'll always get more back. More reciprocity. It, it will possibly. I, I don't know what it is, but we'll, we'll deal with that at another time. But the, but the main thing is that what, I, what we plan to do is in the transaction, when we connect a sugar mill with a beverage company, we're going to embed in the contractual obligation a charitable, a philanthropic component, which says that they that that transaction will also generate real water to people, the world's poorest people. For example, India. Their first one will be in Tamil Nadu in India. We've already uh, established that. It was meant to happen last year with COVID, and we, unfortunately, we 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 couldn't do it. But but we will as soon as we are able to travel. And what what will happen is. 
as a, trans, a commercial transaction is happening here, the byproduct will be a tanker of water, 25,000 litres of water will drive into a little town in the middle of town. The locals will be able to drink exactly this water, exactly as you see it there, crystal clear, like, like you and I have been drinking. And the big beverage companies or the, that will pay for it. This will be totally free to that consumer. Why? Because as we said, one and a half million children a year die in India from water-related diseases. The girls in particular are burdened with having to walk and fetch water from, you know, really bad water they sources. They carry it on their head. Yeah, they carry it. You see all the, all, the, all the stuff. You see it on Netflix. And it's for hours too. We're not talking it's a short oh, Four hours a day, I think, I think is the average. Four yeah. hours a day. But most importantly, and this is really, really important, they don't get to go to school. Their job is to cart water. Now, how are you going to solve the poverty cycle if we don't educate the kids? the girls in particular. It's just a crazy cycle that doesn't end for them. Doesn't end. It's like, it's, it's horrible. So, you know, it's not a silver bullet. We're not gonna solve the world's water problems, but I think, you know, for, for this little black ducky, we might be able to make a difference. You know what, it's not a silver bullet, but it's a bullet, which is gonna penetrate the difference. And that's such a great idea. I can't tell you that um, that's probably been the most moving thing anyone has ever told me on my podcast. And I'm so happy that uh, I got to hear that from you. Thank you for sharing. Now, um, who was your mentor growing up? Oh, this is now a very prickly. Uh, that's my mentor growing up, and I guess uh, even now. And I can't believe I'm actually having this conversation uh, with other people. With other people listening, is my older brother. As 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 coy or corny as that sounds, um, I guess I've always looked up to him and. He's, I, I hate that, that this is this is actually being recorded. That he's going to hold this against me, but I can get him back though, because I in our afford in, this to you, Spiro. Don't worry. <laughs> well, in our Findex business, he's the older brother. You know the tradition there. I'm the chairman of the company, so technically I'm his boss as the CEO of that company, and I keep reminding him of that it's the only opportunity that I can get back. He can be my mentor. I can be his boss. That sounds fair to me. My brother's similar. He used to beat me up growing up. He was my kickboxing trainer. But there you go. <laughs> now. Mr. Terry, are you ready for our quick fire questions? Yeah. Excellent. Do you have any pets? I do. A beautiful dog, Rio. Cavoodle. Um, what's your favourite colour? Blue. Me too. It's a healing colour. Um, what's your favourite TV show? Um, chasing Cars. <laughs> iPhone or Android? Android. Oh, that's my first Android I've got. What is, who was your role model growing up? Role model growing up, oh, big question. Who would it be a role model? Oh, I don't really have a role model. I, I know I know who my favourite actor would be if that answer, yeah. Robert De Niro. All right. Um, describe yourself in three words as a teenager. As a teenager, um, shy, um, ambitious, um, hardworking. Great traits to have. Um, one item you can't leave the house without. Probably my phone. Um, what annoys you the most? A pet peeve? Uh, messy people. Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, best advice you've ever received? Best advice ever received, um, if it's too good to be true. It's too true. It's, it's not true, sorry. Yeah. Now, um, from this episode, you've shared some amazing things for entrepreneurs. Give me three key takeaways you want the listeners to really take away from our chat. 
Well, I just think, depending on you know who they are, of course, you reference back to you, to yourself. But but I think um, you know there's 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 always opportunity. We've talked about uh, opportunity. I think the one thing that, miss, that is missing in people's lives is is what I call execution risk. You know, we talked about good ideas. We talked about all of that. I think people misunderstand that 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 they that they that if they can mitigate, if they can have a mentor. You know, one one of the things that people would ask me would be, what would be the one thing that you would do if you you could purposefully, you know, design your life? What would you do? I'd go and find a really good mentor. Nothing else. A really good mentor that I can anchor myself to, and people underestimate the power of that. Often, the advice and the, and the, and the development that comes from that can be life-changing if you can find a good mentor. Not as easy to do, but that's a really of course. Important but one. you know what? I started social media a while ago. I got a social media mentor. I did kickboxing. I did snooker. I had a coach. I had a coach. I got a business coach, a business mentor. In every aspect, that's probably the thing I value the most. Get a mentor. Experience. Yeah, of yeah. course. Third, third item. The third item: look after yourself. We often forget um, mind, body, and soul. Correct. This is we're back. We're back to back to the core there. But you know, I've had a personal trainer for 20 years. The same person for 20 years. A simple but a clean message. A very it's important fantastic. One. I eat well. Sleeping can be a bit lumpy, but but generally, you know, we try to try to look after ourselves uh, as well as all the other things that we do. Last but not least, on a scale of one to ten, how much have you enjoyed this podcast? Do I need to answer that? It's a ten. Thank you, sir. Sarah, it was a pleasure. Thank you.